we're going to jump right in and get moving. We are continuing on in our February sermon series called Shift. Um, you've, if you've been around the past couple of weeks or maybe you caught one online, um, you have an idea of what we're talking about, but I'll kind of set it up here just a little bit um, as we go. But we're talking about making room for more of what God has for each and every one of us. And uh, we're doing it for the entire month. Uh, but to do this, to make room for more of the best that God has for each and every one of us, there is a shift that must occur in our lives. There is a change that needs to take place in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds to make room for that shift. And it's a good shift, but it still is a change. And we know that changes can create unsettling times or experiences on the way to something good, right? When something is being changed, there's usually a little bit of, of time that's uncomfortable, but eventually it works out and, and what, it, what needs to happen does happen. See, there are things that we need to work to shift or rearrange in our lives if we're going to make room for the best that God has for us. Now, we talked about last week the process of development, developing things in our lives that will make way naturally for more of what God has. It isn't always easy, but it is a necessary thing to do. In order to have room for more, we need to sometimes rearrange what is in our lives. Sometimes we need to remove something that's in our lives to make way for more of God. Because if you think about it for a second, if your life, if your heart, if your, if your spirit is completely full, you have no room for anything else, we can't expect to add more of God into that area. Sometimes we need to shift it around, or maybe there's things that we need to do away with to make more room for the things of God. Oftentimes, though, we build that shift up in our mind. We build that change up, and, and we let fear get the best of us because uh, change isn't always fun. We've talked about the last, that the last couple of weeks, and we build it up in our mind, and it ends up not being as difficult or scary or as painful as we think that it might be. Even when it's tough, tough shifting to make room for God is worth it. Uh, before, uh, you know, a few months before Amy and I moved to Marquette, uh, we had a bunch of our stuff in a storage unit. And uh, if you have ever had your things in a storage unit for any period of time, you know how stressful that can be, okay? Because it's literally everything you own in a metal box, and you are trusting that someone will not cut your lock and steal it all, or, or something like that. Um, it's kind of a stressful endeavor. And so we had just about everything that we owned in a storage unit for a period of time. We got it packed up. We were ready to go, ready to, you know, to move on, coming eventually to Marquette. But I remember there was one time when, uh, when we were having a conversation, and Amy goes, you know what? We need such and such item from that storage unit. And I kind of felt dead inside. Um, because I knew what that storage unit looked like, and I tried to find a picture of it, and I couldn't, because you roll up that door, and it, you're just immediately met with a wall of things, okay? And um, so we, we proceeded to go to the storage unit and try to look for whatever it was. I have a feeling it was probably a pair of shoes for one of us, and I'm not, uh, she's giving me the thumbs up, it was shoes. Um, so I get there, and I was, I was terrified. Um, because I had everything where I, you know, I thought it should go. But when I opened that door, I, I, pretty quick I realized that I didn't know where anything was. 
And so, you know, three, four, six, ten boxes in, I have no clue where it is, and I'm realizing that some of my packing abilities had not been up to par, okay? Um, You had boxes on top of boxes on top of tubs, and the tubs were trying to to stay, you know, they were trying to not fold in, but they were, and so... uh, it wouldn't have made my dad happy. If you, may, if you know my dad at all, he, when it comes to packing, he has some problems, okay? Um, David, David knows, and David is one of the people that dad loves because of his packing ability. So I was a failure that day, maybe, um, in his eyes. But that's a place where if something shifts, it's not good, right? If something in that storage unit would have shifted, it would have been disastrous, okay? It would have resulted in something uh, getting destroyed. It could have resulted in um, some dishes getting uh, messed up. And in my family, the quickest way to enter the doghouse, and this is, this is my family as a whole, is to break a special dish, okay? Um, my mother and my wife, they both love their dishes, and, and so that just causes me stress even talking about it. Um, <clears throat> but I was so concerned about it, I eventually found the shoes, but I had to take the time to pull everything out of this stupid storage locker and repack it. And I will be honest, I was glad that I did because uh, I just would have been scared as to what I would have found. But it, when I think of a shift, I kind of think of that. Like sometimes when we're talking about changes in our lives, it's easy to build it up and, and think that if we pull one thing or if we change one thing, everything else will come crumbling around us. I started to think of a game that maybe many of you have played, but the game of Jenga. Okay, I, w- I had this whole plan. I was going to bring out a Jenga set and you know demonstrate it, but then I thought, what if I knock it over while I'm setting it up, and then it's distracting. Um, so you're going to need to use your imaginations for me or with me today. But it's like the game of Jenga. So you have that perfect uh, you know tower, and and you pull one out, and then you move it to the top. And then you pull another one out and you move it to the top. So you're rearranging things, but every single time you rearrange that tower, it's becoming weaker. And it's easy for us to have that as the picture in our head that when we're we're talking about God wanting to change things in our lives, cause a shift to happen, we look at it that way. It can can feel a little representative of our life and how we react to change because a few minutes into this silly game, every single move you make is based on fear. (laughs) Right? Every single move you make is partially based on fear and partially trying to um, sabotage the person you're playing with. And, and that's just kind of the mindset. And I think that sometimes we can get into the same mindset in our lives. If I move this one thing in my life, if I make this shift that maybe God is calling me to make, will everything come down around me? If I shift the way I rely on God more than myself, what does that mean for what I'm able to accomplish? If I change the way that I handle my finances according to God's word, what does that mean? If I give God control of my life, ultimately, what does it look like? When God is talking about change, we ask ourselves some big questions because it's big things that God wants to do in our lives. We see it this way. Each one of those shifts, we think 
um, it, it weakens us. We think that it weakens us, but the picture that God uh, poses to us is actually the opposite. I like to think about when God challenges us to, to stretch areas of our lives, it's like that game of Jenga, but instead of pulling from the bottom, he's pulling from the top, and what he's doing is he's widening the base. He's widening the structure that we stand on because God wants to give us, he wants to grow in us a foundation that is not, is not uh, shaken, is not destroyed with the smallest of bumps. That's God's purpose through these shifts. He wants to grow us into more, uh, to, to the people that he has for each of us to be. When we shift our control to Him, when we choose to rely on His strength and not our own, when we allow to go, when we allow God to work in the areas of our lives that we want to control—our finances, our marriages, our jobs—and the list goes on and on. God, He builds our foundation when we turn those things over to Him. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. But like we talked about last week, it's definitely worth it. When we allow God to shift these areas in our lives. It doesn't weaken them or cripple us. It strengthens us. He's building our foundation. The shift God has for each of us to experience, they are meant to strengthen us. They, aren't meant to grow, they are meant to grow us into the person that he created us to be. Because God created us to be a certain type of person. And I'm of the belief that none of us is there yet. We're a constant uh, state of development. We need to always be developing who we are to be more of the person that God wants for us to be. It doesn't mean, though, that we are free from resistance to these things. See, resistance is an opposition from one thing to another. We've already talked about being transformed and about developing some key areas in our lives to make way for this shift that God has for each and every one of us, but we're not out of the woods yet. We're not free from resistance. We're still going to deal with resisting that shift. It leads us to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, a, a couple of verses that a lot of us have prayed a lot of different times for different situations. I believe that these are some of the verses that God has for us uh, when we're experiencing changes or difficult times in our lives. Verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, there are a lot of reasons why we can be and are resistant to change. Okay? We've talked about that a little bit. Our natural reaction isn't to just welcome some life-altering thing that stumbles into our lap. We don't want to accept it. But the interesting thing that I began to think about is that sometimes our resistance, it looks the same whether what we're encountering is a bad change or a change that will ultimately be for our good. Sometimes our, our reaction is the exact same. God is wanting to do something in our lives and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to need you to slow down a little bit, okay? We can resist to good change. So it leads me to the first uh, point. I have two quick points that I want to make today. And I believe resistance comes before embracing the shift. I believe, I don't know why, I think it's a natural thing that we experience as human beings to resist change in our lives. If you think about, in Scripture, think about Moses, God called Moses to do something amazing, and Moses, what was his first thing? I can't talk to people. 
He literally, God told him, I need you to do this. And Moses said, you got the wrong guy. To God, that's what he said. Gideon experienced the same thing. He t- in fact, Gideon tested God. He gave him all these things he needed him to do to make sure that it was actually God. And you know, So the, the moral of the story is, uh, first of all, God doesn't, uh, you've heard this before, but God doesn't choose perfect people, right? He, he empowers us to do what he's calling us to do. He doesn't pick us because we have it all figured out. He doesn't, he doesn't pick me because I know what I'm doing, he, but yet he empowers me through his Holy Spirit to do that. So it, it led me to look a little bit as to why we're resistant to change. And I found this article, um, and uh, it had 12 reasons why we are resistant to change. And I believe this was created in a secular perspective, like talking about your work. So you're going to be able to think about this in that. But I believe that we can apply this to our relationship with God, to our families, to everything that we're talking about. These 12 things um, can be applied. So I, I just want to take a minute or two and look at them before we move on. So number one, one of the first reasons we are resistant to change is a misunderstanding about the need for change, right? If we don't know that we need to change something, we're not going to be open to that change when it comes. And so I believe a number of these boil down to us being uh, in tune to what God has for us because if we're listening to the voice of God, he's going to tell us, hey, I need you to work on something, and then he's going to begin to play it out rather than smacking you in the face with change, okay? Number two, Fear of the unknown. And I think that's the biggest one. I think in our families, in our relationships, uh, in our walk with God, not knowing what that fear or what that change will bring is the scariest thing. Because if you're anything like me, you immediately go to the absolute possible worst case scenario, okay? Pastor Kevin and I are always back and forth because he is... uh, He's just all, he's very positive and, and he's always looking at the good of a situation. And I'm thinking, you know, worst case scenario, what do we have to deal with? Okay. And I like to think that we balance each other out. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. But um, fear of the unknown is a big thing. Number three, this came out uh, to play in the life of Moses is lack of competence. We're afraid of change because we feel we might not have the ability to deal with that change or to deal with what God is wanting to do in us and through us. Number four, we're connected to the old way. We, we like routines. We do, and I'm not condemning routines at all because I, I love them just as much as the old person, but sometimes they can keep us from embracing change. Number five, and this is a big one, lack of trust. Sometimes we are against what God is wanting to do or, or even in a relationship, we're against the change that's taking place because maybe we haven't yet fully put our trust in God or in that person or in that situation. Number six, uh, the change could be viewed as temporary. Nobody wants to change if a week down the road they're going to go back to the way they've always done things. Number seven, not being consulted. Now, this one's tough with God because he doesn't always consult us uh, before he does something. And it's probably better that way. But it's hard for us when something happens and we just have to react to it. We don't get input on it. It's hard to not be consulted. Number eight kind of goes along with that, poor communication. Poor communication, it, it, makes, it makes us uh, resist change. Number nine, we've already talked about, changes our routine. 
when, the, when our routine gets changed, it throws us for a loop, it sends us, uh, you know, it takes a little while to get it figured out. It's not enjoyable when that happens. Number 10 is exhaustion or oversaturation to the change. We can just get exhausted with too much of a good thing. Number 11, change in the status quo, just changing the, nor- the way things normally are. And number 12, and I think this is a big one, is a reason that we are resistant to change is we don't believe the benefits outweigh the trouble. Okay? Think about that for a second. Think about something that you know God wants to do in your life. And maybe, maybe on the way in this morning, he was telling you, hey, I'm about to change something. And you're saying, that is not worth it. We have to open up our minds and ask God to show us these things because that's one thing I find myself, do the benefits of what could happen, do they outweigh the stress and the anxiety and the fear that I'm going to experience along the way? And those are the answers that God wants to give us. And I see this list, those 12 things, and at the core of it, I believe, is fear. It's in, it's in our scripture from this morning, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It starts off with fear. And we all experience fear, and we do so in different ways. We do so in different situations. We do so uh, at different times in our lives. And I believe that that is at the core of our resistance to change and the resistance to maybe what God wants to do in our lives. And the only answer to it is more of God. The only answer to overcoming those things in our lives as it pertains to what God wants to do in us is more of the one who is causing some of that anxiety. Does that make sense? God is wanting to do these things in our lives, and the only way to get through them is to walk with him. I believe God wants to orchestrate this shift in our lives in part to make us rely more on him. See, sometimes our resistance to change comes from self-efficacy or control. We think that we have it all figured out. And so, so we don't want to change anything because we have our lives figured out. There are times where we believe we are the captains of our own ship or the masters of our own fate. And I've caught myself doing that, and I'll be honest, that's a dangerous place to be. When we think we've got it figured out, when we're not relying on God and his spirit in our lives, that can be dangerous for us to be. There are times when we are resistant to change and we are actually being resistant to what God is wanting to do in our lives. Now think about that for a second. We're so against change that sometimes it causes us to resist God. And to me, that's humbling to me because I want to be challenged and that when God wants to do something in my life, I want to be open to that. I want to receive that with open arms, not run the other way. I think of Jonah. Okay, God, uh, Jonah, was, uh, Jonah uh, was a prophet and, and God was speaking to Jonah and he said, Jonah, I want you to go talk to the people of Nineveh. I want you to tell them that they are living in sin and that, that God has a hope for them. And, Nin- er, and Jonah was so stressed out about this, he was so opposed to what God wanted to do in and through him, and we know the rest. He ran from God and he found himself in the belly of a big fish. I mean, that's kind of a bummer right? He was actively opposed to what God wanted to do through him. And it took some time. It took some time. I, I'm sure if you spend long enough in a, in a fish, you'll figure anything out. Um, 
But after some time, Jonah began to understand that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about what he thought because in his mind, the people of Nineveh, they were too far gone. They didn't deserve God's grace and mercy. They deserved to be destroyed, and that's what he wanted to see. But he had to open himself up to allow that shift to take place, that he could change his perspective and allow himself to be used by God. Have you guys ever noticed that at the end of a commercial advertising a new drug, they, they go through all the side effects, right? Um, and they're, they're potential, I get it, but um, it bums me out when, uh, when the side effect is worse than what it's treating. It's like, uh, yeah, this is for eczema, but you could go blind and die. Um, but use it, because it might help. Isn't that incredible when the byproduct of something is worse than what's causing it? I think that it's the same way with this shift of God, that God wants in our lives. Fear is the side effect to that change. That change instills fear in our lives, and fear causes us to do some dumb things. And the fear actually causes more harm than the discomfort that might have come if we would have just followed God in the first place. That fear is far worse than the unknown or potential trouble from that change, and the answer for that is Jesus. Philippians 4 tells us that we have to combat anxiety with prayer, and we need to present our needs to him. In the NLT, 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. It is not in who he created us to be to respond with fear. Fear is crippling, but the peace of God brings freedom. You've all probably encountered somebody, maybe they're sitting in this room, where they're in the middle of, of a situation that you could never imagine being in the middle of, and they have this just this peace that makes no sense. That is what God has to offer each and every one of us. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if peace is freedom, and, and Jesus is with us everywhere, that means that his freedom, that that peace goes with us wherever we are, but we have to be willing to grab onto it. We have to be willing to apply it to our lives. Next week, Madison is going to talk about one of my favorite verses in the Bible, talk about Jeremiah 29 and 11. He's going to look at those good plans that God has for each and every one of us. And I promise you, I promise you one thing. I don't know the direction that he is going, but one thing that he will, he will not tell you is part of God's plan for your life is fear. He may not clarify it, he may not say it that way, but I promise you that he will not say that is any part of God's plan for our lives. The things of God are not to be fear-inducing, but to give us freedom. But sometimes we have to deal with the way our flesh responds. Number two, very quickly, our flesh may be resistant, but our hearts should be open. See, Paul starts this, uh, this passage off in, in uh, Philippians with a flat-out statement that could have got him into trouble. He says, do not be anxious. It's kind of rude, you know. Maybe I should be anxious. Maybe there's something that's dictating that in my life that is, is worth being anxious about. And Paul, you don't understand what you're talking about, and you just come out and you just say it, okay? Um, you, maybe you've been in a disagreement before and uh, with a friend, uh, a coworker, a spouse, 
uh, parent or a child, and you've made the mistake of saying two words that have proven to never help any argument, and that is, calm down! <laughs> right? Who's guilty of that? You're, yep. I feel like it maybe the like the spousal disagreements is where it comes out the most. You're like, calm down. And then what happens? Just, yeah, it's like a nuclear bomb exploded. It's just reverse psychology at play, okay? I don't think that's helped any, any disagreement ever in the history of mankind. And immediately, the other person inevitably jumps right back into the thing that you were attempting to get them calmed down from in the first place, but with added vigor and frustration aimed at you. So they may not have even been mad at you in the first place, but now they are, and uh, you're going to have to deal with that. I'm just, I'm not speaking from experience, I've just heard about it. Um, that'll actually get me in trouble more. See, Paul runs the risk of compounding the very anxiety that we're hoping to deal with by telling us not to be anxious, right? He doesn't preface it and say, hey, guys, I've got something to help you with. He just says, don't be anxious. And sometimes that seems a little bit unfair. And we have to choose to move on in the scripture because then he gives us the reason that we need to not be anxious. The resistance to what God wants to do in us is in fact a human response. Think of, we don't have our own, uh, our, any children of our own yet, but uh, I think if you tell your child, go clean your room, what is the first thing they say? Oh, I was thinking more, why? That In our house, it was Why? <laughs> they, my room is clean. No, it's not. Um, so I heard, I heard some no's. They just say no. And then, and then for speaking from our experience, it was why. So either way, both of those responses are resistance, right? They're, being, all they're, they're just asking a question, and they're already defensive. I mean, makes you really want to go check their room. But it's a human response, and it's something that we need to take to God to have to work on in our lives. If we know our response to change or a shift that he wants to see take place in our lives, if we know that's going to be our reaction, we need to go to him first and ask him to deal with that in our hearts. And that's kind of a bummer because you're, you're having to ask him to change part of who you are as a person. Paul never once tells us that the anxiety we experience when we are stretched by God's plan is silly or unwarranted. Instead, he wants us to understand how to appropriately deal with it. He tells us that if we deal with these shifts in a prayerful manner along with thanksgiving, then our hearts and our minds will be under the protection of Christ Jesus. The enemy wants us to be met with anxiety and fear at every turn, but God has a different plan. Going back to our original text, Philippians 4, 7, says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know Pastor Kevin has mentioned this in the past, but that word guard found in verse 7, it's a military term. Like, it's describing the actions of a military and it means that our hearts and our minds will be protected as if they were a castle or a fortress. Think about that for a second. 
Whatever is causing the anxiety, it could be something that, that God is wanting to do and stretch in your life, or it could be a situation that's outside of your control, and it, and it comes, comes into play with the people around you. He's telling us that if we present that need to him, if we, we ask, him on his, uh, uh, ask him in prayer and by petition, and we're thankful in the process, that he will put uh, his spirit around our hearts to protect us. I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty encouraging to me to think about the visual of what that might be. Our hearts can be preserved from the intrusion of anxious thoughts or fears. This is telling us that the peace that God offers us in lieu of anxiety and fear acts like a bodyguard, a bodyguard for our heart and our mind. I don't know about you, but I think that's something that we can all apply to our lives. John 14, uh, 27, this is Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The, the thing that I love about that is Jesus says, my peace I give you. It wasn't the peace that somebody else had. It was the peace that he had. And if you recall, at this point in his life, he's going through, um, he, he's about to be crucified. He's going through all of these emotions, all of this stuff that, that he's having to work through. He doesn't, he, we see in scripture that Jesus asked God if there was any other way. He asked that of God, and yet he still went through it. Jesus walked through this, and he says, the peace that I have, I'm going to give to you. And the beauty is that peace doesn't just apply for the area that God is stretching in your life. It applies to that situation going on at work. It applies to what's going on at home. It applies uh, to that health issue that you're experiencing or someone that you care about is experiencing. God desires that peace for each and every one of us. When God begins to expand our territory or challenge our thinking, we begin to act a little funny. Like Jonah, maybe we run. Like Thomas, maybe we doubt. Like Saul, maybe, maybe we actively stand against what God is doing. But as we close, we need to identify those areas of resistance in our lives. Because it's different for each and every one of us. It's different uh, for me than it is for you. I react to change differently. Usually I just kind of a dumb look like, but it may stir something up inside of you that, that you don't like or that you know God doesn't intend for you. And part of, the, part of the way to deal with it is to identify where that stems from. For some of us, maybe it's we don't have, more, we don't have room for more of God because our, our life is full of all this other garbage. Maybe it's full of unforgiveness or hurt or, or something along that line. Maybe, maybe it's just full of stuff that we're filling our days with. To, to go down this line, we need to make more room for what God has for us. Maybe we're actually resisting what he wants to do in our lives, in which case I would say good luck because just ask Jonah. He figured that one out eventually. Maybe we're content hanging on to the fear and anxiety that comes with it. And what I desire for each and every one of you is that today you, you could leave that behind. 
Because God has every good and perfect gift for us as his children, like we talked about at the end of worship. And fear is not one of those things. Anxiety is not one of those things. And, and I believe God does have deliverance for us. Now, some of us, it might take a little longer. Our situation might be a little different. It might seem a little harder to overcome. But as we make more room for who God is, I believe God fills us with that peace. He fills us with more of him, the things that contradict the attempts of the enemy. No matter the situation, no matter how far you feel you are gone, you can't outrun the love of God. He threw Jonah in a fish to get his attention. What's he got to do to get yours? I hope it's not that drastic. And if it is, I'll see you on the news. <laughs> but as we close, the worship team's going to go back into that song. It's called No Longer Slaves. And the beauty of it is we don't have to be slaves to fear. We don't have to allow that to control our lives. We can turn it over to God. We can ask him to, to work on our behalf through his Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's what he wants for each and every one of us. So as we close in prayer, we're going to go into worship. Um, I'm going to invite you to stand in just a moment. And I would encourage you to, to begin to assess some of this in your life. Assess how you handle that shift. And maybe there's something that you need to work out here today. Maybe you need to to come up to the front and, and have a, a connect group leader or a deacon pray with you. Maybe you just need to sit there and you need to worship God. You need to ask him to help you through this. Or maybe it's you just need to let this kind of set on your heart for a little while and, and see what God wants to do. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And, and when I'm done praying, I would invite you to stand with us as we go back into a time of worship. If you do need prayer, we would love to pray with you. There will be people here waiting to, to pray alongside of you. Uh, I believe that God wants to, to have some people leave in a better place than they came in today. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the encouragement that we find in your word. I thank you that, you that we see that you have nothing but good things for us. They don't always play out the way that we think that they should. But sometimes we're looking at them too quickly. We're not, we don't have the long, the far picture, God. And Lord, I thank you that part of what you want to accomplish in each and every one of our lives is, is to, to remove that fear, remove that anxiety, and remove what the enemy is trying to accomplish in each and every one of us. Father, I thank you that you give us a hope and a future, and, and you tell us that as we present these, these cares to you with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, being thankful for what you've already done in our lives, Father, I thank you that you promise us that, that you will guard our hearts and our minds. It doesn't mean that we'll never be attacked with that fear or anxiety again, but it means that you have put your spirit around us and given us the strength to resist those attacks. Father, I thank you that that there's somebody here today who needed this, who needed this worship, who needed this word from, from your word, God. They're dealing with this in their lives, and, and maybe they haven't yet decided to, to put their trust wholly in you, and Lord, I pray that that would be the first step. And Father, for, for those who maybe, maybe they're just dealing with their reaction to what you're asking them to do or wanting to do in their lives, I, I pray that you would speak to them today, that, you would, that they would hear your voice, and that they would be able to step forward 
not in fear, but in faith. Father, I thank you for your plan for each and every one of us today and in, in the weeks to come, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.